All right, so Jordy or Jordan? Oh, man. I told you to pick. I know. I think Jordy's cool. All right, let's go with that. Yeah, let's, all right, so we're here with Jordy. What's your last name? I'm sorry. Lyric is my middle name that I use as my last name, and okay. everybody thinks it's not real, but I'll produce a birth certificate at That's the next cool. podcast. Yeah, yeah. It is. So your parents were into music then? My mom was. She wanted to name me, like, Aria or, like, Melody or okay. something music-related. Yeah. But my dad was kind of like, really, like, Aria lyric is a little much. So. That's double, yeah. So we got Jordy, Jordan, and that's... That's cool. Lyric is still a cool middle name. Yeah. It's yeah. like I got born with a stage name, and how many people get that? Yeah, yeah. So did, did you, like, grow up around music a lot? Like Yeah. Yeah. My whole family, my, uh, my grandpa was, a, like, a bar musician, like, jazz, oldies, Motown kind of guy. Hell yeah. And he like he played at frat houses, so he'd like take me back to college, like at Temple, and we'd be going down Broad Street, and he'd like point out these houses, and he was like, "You see that frat house? I used to play there with my band." I'm like, "That's funny. I play there with my band," and like it was like a cool thing. And then my mom too, and my stepdad was, and my little brothers play, and yeah, yeah, that's so, awesome. So yeah. it's you knew pretty early on it you wanted to be involved with music in some way. Yeah, my grandpa had these, like, PV speakers in his basement when I was a kid. And, like, he's always had them. And he would have, like, this whole sound system set up. And so I would, like, go over there and, like, sing. And I was, like, real, real little. And I was, like, this is so cool. And, like, he gave me, like, a microphone. It was fun time. And he had, like, a four-track recorder. Nice. Super old school. Yeah. yeah. And so it was, like, a, it was, like, a Tascam whatever yeah. of the 70s. And so... When I was little, I was like, well, I want to, like, make songs, too, like everybody else. So I would, like, sit there and write, and I would, like, sit in his room with the Tascam and, like, his acoustic guitar. And I, like, grew up recording, like, little tapes, and I'd, like, pop them in. Nice. Like, hey, Mom, listen, uh, where's the tape player? <laughs> My first like eight single. Years old. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. It, so you, you grew up, like, playing instruments as well. Yeah. I did not like instrument lessons. Yeah. I did not like taking they, lessons. They kind of suck, honestly. Uh, I teach. I teach music, but I always urge like students to just like learn how to kind of get around the instrument at first yeah. before, so you can like learn have fun with it before you're learning like, like before you're just sitting there being taught by someone, you know? Yeah, like they. So they gave me this guitar, and I didn't know how to play it. They're like, "Go take lessons. Like we'll pay for them." like all right so I went to these lessons and my mom was supposed to be learning with me because she's just a singer and like she can play piano but instruments are like not so she was like yeah I'll go with you and learn so she fucking bails <laughs> because she's like this is too hard I'll never learn and I'm like great that's really motivational mom yeah so like I get there and like I'm sitting there with my stupid guitar and the guy's like you know ah oh, so we're gonna learn what song do you want to learn my mom like begged me to learn Bobby McGee for her okay. by Janis Joplin. Yeah. So I learned how to play that, and then I was like thinking about it one day because like my house is full of music shit, and I'm looking at the wall and we have this like chord chart poster. I'm like, well, if that's like these are the chords that I know that this guy taught me in the attic of this music store. Sure. Like I could just sit in my basement and learn these chords because like I know where my fingers go. Yeah. So like I used the fact that I knew like okay if this is what a G chord is. And, like, I'm doing a thing with my fingers right now. And then you'd look at the poster. You'd be like, that's what it looks like. So then it was like, oh, that's how you read a chord Yeah, chart. you're, like, intuitive enough to figure yeah. it out. That's good. I think yeah. growing around people, that play definitely helped, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, it did. And, like, they would learn stuff by ear, too, because they, like, you know. And so I would, like, learn to learn stuff by ear, yeah. learn to read tabs, music. In defense of your mom, I feel like learning guitar once you're older, because your hands almost have to, like, grow. Like, the muscles have to grow. Yeah. It's an instrument, so. Yeah. My my uncle's like a he was a carpenter his whole life and then he's like fifty eight now and he's trying to learn guitar and he's been playing for like four or five years and he's getting better but it's just like he's got these fucking like carpenter like yeah. dude, you built like wood shops for like your these whole life houses <laughs> build cabins they don't play this instrument exactly. his hand is a one gigantic callus like he can oh barely move his fingers you'd so. think that would help him but honestly no I no. guess not limited yeah. mobility yeah yeah because yeah. you do need calluses like yeah yeah I te I'll teach violin to kids and they'll be like oh my fingers hurt like yeah no pain no gain this yeah I don't let them complain about it too much I'm like yeah it's all right we're gonna keep playing like yeah no choice I never learned how to use my pinky very well on guitar it's hard yeah it's real fucking hard and like I didn't want to learn how to do it and everybody was like you should do finger gyms like learn how to use your I'm like dude yeah. 
I don't know. I'm like, maybe we could just get around it. And then, you know, here we are, like, what, 12 years later, and I can't <laughs> use my pinky. It's, it's embarrassing. Hard. Yeah. But. Not a lot of people, like, when I, whenever I see a person playing power chords with their pinky, I'm like, that person has fucking chops. Like, they can yeah. shred. Because they just have so much more mobility and strength in the fingers. But, yeah, yeah. it's hard to get the pinky going. It really you know? is. It's Are the lost appendage, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So, so did you play in bands? Yeah, so I started off doing my own thing because like you know I was in high school in the suburbs outside of Philly and so like there were like 10 metalcore bands that played <laughs> at like VFWs <laughs> that's so PA it that's was PA it is so PA oh my god we're in Pennsylvania uh do you know where the Legion is like there was this venue it was a metalcore venue it's in Willow Grove PA so I'm from Horsham Pennsylvania but okay it's there was this like metalcore venue so probably out an hour out of Philly ish even less probably okay. and but for some reason the disconnect was so like incredibly like, strong well because it's so much more rural once you get outside of philly it's a lot more just like farms and space and shit and golf courses yeah and like quiznos and so everybody was like you know <laughs> there's not a whole lot of creative like we'll just do metalcore let's play metalcore <laughs> and like all my friends were like in these metalcore bands and it wasn't until i got way older that they started doing like indie so like I was like, well, I either get to make the music I want to make on my own or I have to, like, be the, like, token girl in this metalcore band. And I'm yeah. like, that's dumb. So I'm like, I'll just do it. And then when I got – so I was looking at college. Funny story of my irresponsibility in life. I was looking at colleges, and I was like, ah, you know, Temple. I was like, I go to house shows there. Because that was, like, the seminal thing in my life was sure. going to my first house show. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. And so – I was like, ah, oh, well, this is really close to all my favorite venues, and, like, also, they do this house show thing, and, like, I don't really get it, but I don't really want to go to college, and if I have to, I think I want to do music, like, while I'm there. You so want to be around like, that. Yeah. yeah. So I totally picked the college entirely based on the fact that I went to, like, two house shows. <laughs> That's so cool. Dude, I, I didn't go there. I didn't, I didn't tour it. I didn't look at it. I you didn't look like, into the program. Yeah, they have shows around there. I want to be close to it. Yeah, I had like been there one time to go to like a like the Chipotle after a show, and that was <laughs> and that was it. And so yeah. I was like, ah, yes. So did I you, picked that. Did you study music in school too, or no? My my, so my parents are like, my mom is really really supportive. Yeah. But like, you know, when it came down to it, my dad was like really pressuring me to like not do music and not do like you know art and stuff well, so. yeah because like going to college for like music is kind of like you're shooting yourself in the foot because you just end up in debt and then like you end up trying to get a job in music you can't like go to like madison square garden like oh i have my diploma in music and look at the grades i got can yeah. i play here like it's yes. different so it was like pointless anyway i wanted to go for art i wanted to because i do a lot of things like outside of music and so i was like I wanted like you know go for art my dad was like I don't think so and I was like well like fuck it then because this is never gonna like no matter what I do here I'm gonna still do all the other stuff sure like and this is not my priority I'm just I only went there as a way to be able to live there yeah and not have my specifically my dad but also my mom and everyone else like freak out hound you about what you're doing yeah yeah so i was just like oh, i'll just move down there whatever so like no i wound up doing journalism and then i wound up like taking a leave currently okay just turned in the papers so you know nice yeah funny story the other lo-fi musician that went to temple and then dropped out alex g and he's on the frank ocean records so yeah you know what yeah maybe it's it, not so bad no it's not it's never it's never too late i think like ben folds five like ben folds like had one class left in college and he just dropped out. he's like you know what i'm gonna just fucking play piano a lot until people care and i was like one of the most successful like piano rock guys so it's always possible you just do whatever there are no rules to anything that's literally what i learned like when i when i first moved out and i was like on my own like for good yeah. i was like oh well shit i'm like i gotta do all these things like what am i gonna do and then i was like as i kind of like kept living my life i was like there is like nothing i can possibly do right or wrong in this scenario so yeah. like i'm just gonna do all the things that i want to do and just like live here on yeah. the side yeah you know? i think the most important thing is just to have a work ethic which people don't have sometimes like i have an extreme work ethic it seems like you know <laughs> what you're talking like i forget what we even talked about online like a year ago i 
probably posting some catty shit on Facebook, but we were talking about, like, the music scene and, like... I love drama, so <laughs> yeah. it probably was something, and I was probably incredibly dramatic about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, I feel like growing up in the metalcore scene, too, you saw a lot of <laughs> stupid shit. I mean, the drama... I grew up playing metalcore, too. And, like, awful, right? I mean... It was fun, so but, there, dude, every venue got shut down every fucking month. Well, here's why, at least for us. It's because... Hey, dumbass, when you rent out a veterans hall and you play metalcore and you tell your friends, it's time to fucking kill somebody, <laughs> and then they break everything and put holes in the walls, no, that's it. Yeah. you're not being invited back. And it was like, it sucked because there was this disconnect. Like, all the bands that grew up around me and then got big, like, they didn't really stick around to kind of, like, guide the younger kids. Sure. Which is, like, something I th- I, I know you should do. Yeah. And, like, they, they didn't because it was, like, the biggest bands that came out of there were, like, Super Heaven. Okay. Rip Daylight, but Super Heaven. Yeah. The Wonder Years. Balancing Composure. Circa Survive. So, all Anthony Green and all his projects. Yeah. It's, like, nobody stuck around. To no, like, they probably relocate to Philly. Or, or like, yeah. Tidal Fights from that area, too, probably, Yeah, right? Tidal Fights. And, like, Pedal, not that they're quite on that level, but, like... So were you near, like, Doylestown, Pennsylvania? Yeah. Because I know there was a big scene there. Yeah, it seemed like they had a lot of stuff going on. Like, I think Title Fight used to be in a band called the Erection Kids or something. I have a Title Fight (laughs) Erection Kids, like, CD, like, physical CD that somebody that I know gave me. And he was, like, good friends with Brendan from Circa Survive. Okay. I had the real, like, Doylestown music experience. Yeah. It's great. So was that was that the same band actually? Was Title Fight and the Erection, or were they like two bands that were friends? I don't really know. It's a split, but like a lot of bands do weird like splits with themselves. Yeah, yeah. As yeah. like a present to Alter their ego. ego. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like, I don't know. Not clear. Yeah. But yeah. It, it sucks when bands don't stick around to pass the torch. You know. Yeah. It, nobody it knows how to. Kind of feels like a duty because I feel like a, a supportive music music scene fosters the bands that people love. You know. Yeah, it and, does. And then someone has to fucking do it when, like, the people grow out of it. Someone should, like, kind of be helping people out. And, or else people don't know what the fuck to do. They literally don't. Like, they don't know how to book shows. You you have to have, like, an old head friend that's like, here's how you do this. Yeah. Like, you can't. Because, like, everybody who wants to book shows now and, like, everyone who does. Like, that's what happened to Philly, too, is, like, the Doylestown scene is, like, totally dead right now. Sure. Yeah. And, like, Philly, you know... It has its ups and downs, but, like, predominantly, at least when I kind of, like, stepped away from it for a while, it was, like, it was on a very steep downslide. And it's because, like, nobody was there to, like, teach people how to do stuff. Sure. Everybody just fucking bailed. Yeah. And it's like, well, if we don't have any local bands that are bigger now that are willing to, like, bring on new people and, like, you know, put new acts on and put on shows and stuff, it's like... Who the fuck do you learn how to do stuff from? Especially in a bigger city, too, where it's like, like we were saying about New York before, there's just so much going on and you never know, like, how to handle it, you know? And it's, it's, I think it's regional in Philly, too. Like, the North Philly scene and then the West Philly scene and the South Philly scene are, like, three different things entirely. Yeah. And they don't communicate. No, they're, like, cliques. It's, it's 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 like, kind of, like, bullshit. Yeah. It's total bullshit. Yeah. It's, you know, it's one thing to put your friends on and, like, you know, support the ideas and the people and mindsets you like, but it's another thing to scoff at someone because it's, like, they play a different style of music or, like... My God, uh, I remember when everybody was in a Twinkle Emo band for, like, two years. Everybody dude, was. Yes. Me too. <laughs> like, not not even, not a joke, me too. Yeah. But it's, like, there were no other bands out there that weren't that. So, like, good for us because it was really easy to find shows. But, like, I was kind of bummed because I was just like, well, you know, we have this, like, one thing and nothing else. And it all kind of eventually started sounding the same, you know? I think it it sounded the same right from the beginning. (laughs) I think it was, like, Algernon Cadwallader and then, like, a bunch of, like, 17-year-old kids trying to sound like Algernon Cadwallader. (laughs) It totally was. Yeah. And, like, it went through these phases where, like, you know... It was that, and then I mean, it was but like... it, metalcore kind of did that too. It was like all the same riffs yeah. in drop D, and then the breakdown, and then you can't book shows at that venue anymore. You know? Like, yeah. Well, they would get shut shut down because people are fucking irresponsible. Like every good venue I have ever known, yeah. pretty much, has gotten shut down because somebody's an irresponsible motherfucker. Yeah. Like 
I I know these people. I'm not going to name it. Everybody fucking knows anyway, so it doesn't matter. But there was this venue on Diamond Street. And the, the people that lived there, I was, like, good friends with them for a while. And, like, you know, there was, like, a lot going on there. A house house venue? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it was, a, it was like, a real, like, a real cool spot. And it was, my like, my first house show I played there. I met all my friends from Philly there. And then they moved out. And then these people moved in. Now, the people that moved in, not so good. Like, not so great at doing the music sure. thing. Real shady shit going on, whatever. And, like, they started to get a bad reputation. Okay. And then it went downhill. And then there were memes about it. There were Facebook oh, groups. God. And, like, it was just... It was dirty as fuck. And by the time... The last time I walked in there, they had, like, found this kitten on the street. Because we have street kittens. I have one. Everyone has one. Yeah. But... They had found this kitten. So I like went over to go see the cat. We walk in. It's so smoky that like it's smog. So you know that the the smoke detectors don't work. Yeah. It literally, they spray painted the walls, which was cool for like 20 minutes. And then when the whole place got spray painted, it made it look like a fucking like, like it was like a skate. It's gross. Yeah. Also, you're not getting your security deposit back if you spray paint no. the walls. <laughs> well, they not only did they not get it back, but moral of the story is it got condemned Oh, like, okay. Physically, like, condemned by the city, like, you cannot live here and no one else can ever live here again. So the venue was ruined just by people that didn't have a clue on, like, how to run it, pretty much. Yeah. And it sucks because people get so jaded that they don't want to, like, turn around. And, like, I'm guilty of it, too, because honestly, like, after a couple years of booking shows and, like, you know, doing everything else I did, I was like, fuck, this sucks. It's exhausting. <laughs> it is. I've, like, th- th- we used to, I used to live at a house venue. And there would be these fights, like these physical fights. Like I remember having to rip this fucking dude off his girlfriend. I had to break up a fight over a blunt, over who smoked more of a blunt. Oh my God. And I had to, and then there was this little, like, there's this freshman girl and she came to the house. That's the problem too. You get these fucking, like, you get young people who just don't have a clue because they're just shitty kids still. Yes, and they like they come anyway. Yeah. And yeah. it's like they I know you're not here for the band. I and like normally I'm like yes, very welcoming and supportive of new people in the scene, like good keep it going, but sure. I was just like I have a bad feeling about this. And this girl walks up to me, she's like, "My friend's like really drunk and she's like passing out on your couch." I'm like, "Oh my god." So I walk over and and like I had, like, five roommates, but somehow I'm the only person that, like, knew CPR and first aid and, like, how to be, like, yeah. how to run a show. Yeah. So, like, even when it wasn't my show, if I was there, I always had to deal with the bullshit. So, I, like, I walked over. I'm, like, hi. I'm, like, can you sit up for me? And she, like, sits up and I, like, fed her something. I, like, gave her food and water. And I told her friend, I'm, like, I'm, like, she looks okay. She's responding. She knows her name and where she lives and stuff. So, like, I don't think you need to, like go to the hospital right now but what i am gonna do is i'm gonna call you an uber i'll help you get your friend into it i'll take it like i'll send it to your dorm building and then you're gonna have to like just watch her for a little bit you know yeah and if she doesn't get better by the time you get there call just call 911 i was like listen like they have a medical amnesty thing at temple like you're not gonna get in trouble just trust me call 911 because you really don't want anything to happen to her yeah and like she was all right and here's how i know she was all right i I pick this little bitch up. I'm walking her out to an Uber. Literally, she's like, I'm like, I'm like baby carrying her. And I go to put her in. She's like, I'm fine. I'm like, no, I'm like, you're not fine, but you're going to be fine. And I was like being really nice to her. And I I put her in and I'm about to shut the door. And she goes, she's like, hey, I was like, yeah, expecting like a thanks or something. She goes, fuck you. (laughs) And I was like, good night. And literally went to bed. I'm like, get everyone out of my house. That's Philly as fuck. Sorry. Like, hey, he fuck you. Someone. Yeah, by the way, he saved my ass at a house party. Yeah, it's exhausting running shows because you never know what kind of bullshit people it's going to bring or, like, people that don't get it that are, like, outsiders and, like, you want to be inclusive, you want people to come to the show, but then, like, you don't want people that don't get it and are going to cause fucking problems or get too shithoused and, like, I don't know. It's tough. And they always do. They always wind up doing it because yeah. we lost – and here's a legitimate theory – I think that when we lost the like variability and that's a, not a word variety and like the multifaceted nature of what Philadelphia was when it was like two years ago Rolling Stone or somebody's like best art city in the world. Sure. Like, when we had that, we had a lot of people who were interested in different things coming out and trying stuff, and they were 
you know, there for the culture and the art and the love of it. And then when we all decided, well, fuck that, let's just play Twinkle Emo and yeah. Metalcore, everybody was like, what the fuck is this? Like, this doesn't <laughs> sound like anything. And then you get, like, you know, then it becomes trendy. And yeah. the problem is when it becomes trendy, like, I'm not hating on it because, like, whatever you want to do, but... It just becomes derivative. And you got kids yeah. regurgitating shit that's already been done, like... Uh, the uh, the kid I play in a band with the guitarist of Invalids used to play drums in Panucci's Pizza. So like I if, loved that band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Brock was the drummer, and Matt or whatever he, he or you know whatever Matt was going by now um, was the singer songwriter. But he was like, yeah, we'd play with all these bands, and it just all sounded the same. And like yeah. even when Invalids tours now, kids will come up to him like, I loved Panucci's Pizza so much, and he like. Just to be cool, he like tries to positively respond, like, "Oh, thanks," but then after, he's like, "Oh my god, I wish that would stop happening." I he just doesn't want to be associated with it. Also, he has a lot of problems with Matt, obviously, which I think a lot of people do now, based on like all all that fucking shit that happened. Is Matt Matt still going by Matt now? I'm not sure. I thought that Matt deleted their Facebook. I haven't seen anything about it. I stay, I stayed out of that shit because I was like, listen. Like, I want to, I'll let this one speak for itself. I don't need to say anything, but, you know. And then I think, I, and that happened to a lot of people. And, and, like, honestly, though, this all sounds very incoherent because I'm trying not to, like, you know. Blow up any, well, well you know. Yeah, I'm not trying to blow up anybody's spot. But I will say, if you get your spot blown up and then you leave, good on you. Because, like. The one thing that always kind of like it never really hit me that it was a problem was like, you know, the sexual harassment and stuff like that. It shows. And I was always just kind of like, I don't know, like, I feel fine. And then I was going to ask you because I feel like metalcore or like the metal scene is just like and not always. But like I've just seen like so many metal guys just be like homophobic or like sexist that shows. And yeah, just, they fucking suck. This song is called Kill Every Bitch or else you're a fag. It's like, what, dude? Like, shut the fuck up. Dude. Like, so many of them. And yeah. That's and like so I, you don't you don't have to deal with that too much. I I didn't think I did. You know, for a while I was like, I don't think that this is a bit. And then you start to get more into it, and you start to book shows, and then you encounter things like that are like kind of sexist, like you know, like my sound guy to show. One time, I asked for a mic check and I asked for more in my monitor, and he goes, "Well, uh, it has a switch. That's how you turn it on, like the microphone." Yeah. I'm like. Yeah, I know. The monitor has a fucking XLR cable. That's how you turn that on, and you didn't, so could you fix it? Yeah, like, I'm like, do your job. Yeah. I'm like, literally, like, do you think I'm that dumb? Like, what is a microphone? Check the answer here. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Ugh. And then you get, like, it, it gets real bad out there for women a lot of the time. And, like, you see it, I think as you get older, too. Sure. You look at younger girls, and, like, you kind of see yourself in them. And I think, I think it happens with everyone. I don't think it's just, like... I don't think it's just like, oh, well, I'm a girl and now every other girl, you know, we are all, you know, the same person. It's more like I look at like younger girls who are like doing photography because I'm a photographer. Like that's my job, you know, and like I do film and like art and other stuff and a lot of things. And like I look at young girls who are doing the same thing and I look at I look at it differently. Like if I'm at a show and I see a guy talking to a younger girl, I think about all the times that happened to me. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, my first instinct is to, like, grab a fire blanket and wrap her in it and remove her Same from this situation. Yeah. It's awful. And, like, it's it it really is. It's really bad. And, like. Dude, there were so many scumbags in the music scene when I was growing up. Like, dudes with gauges, like, mosh shorts, part of, like, a mosh gang. Everyone's yes. called, like, Greasy Johnny or, like, Scumbag Larry. They have mosh names. Like, they yo, have... you're, like, 22. What are you doing? <laughs> like, stop. They, those ones. There were a lot of those, yes. <laughs> there was a lot Where of that. Where are they now? What do they do now? I just want to... I, I think they work at mechanic shops Dude. and... <laughs> <laughs> the person I'm thinking about specifically works at a car dealership. Dude, oh yeah. my God, that's so funny. That's what they do. I think they're all mechanics or they work at the mall. Yeah. No, and they like sell stuff like body jewelry and yeah. vape mods and shit. And yeah. just, those are the people that we... It's like you spent all these years of your life harassing and tormenting women and all you got out of it was you get to fucking change oil. Yeah, that's Was it. that a good use of your time? Probably not. Not at all. Talking about the music scene for 10 years and then just being a piece of shit and then just, yeah, selling car parts. That's, that's what they do and that's the problem is like these people come in and you're like, oh, like, 
who the fuck are you? And then they, they're like, oh, you know, I'm going to go to every show. And then they get this reputation for being there. And then all of a sudden, they're just gone. Yeah. And, like, sometimes that's great because, honestly, anybody who fucking, like, all the, like, crowd kill, like, you know, macho douchebags that sort of got, like, that sort of fucked off, thank you. Yeah. No, sure. They needed to go. You know? But there are some people that it's like, well, damn, that sucks. Like, there are a lot of people that I knew because I was like, I don't want to say privileged because it's not everybody's a human being and it's not really. It's a privilege to meet good humans, not certain humans. Like, I don't believe in the whole, like, oh, he was in this band. So, like, we need to. It's so cool that I like name dropping. Not no, yeah, it's, it's stupid. And that's what helps yeah. build up that culture of, like, people taking advantage of other people. Right. It's like, oh, so-and-so from this project. And it's like, yeah, it's, but like, it's, a, it's a person. Cares? It's a person. It's yeah. like, yeah, every 10 projects they do. I'm really glad you got to open for one of them. Like, yeah, exactly. just chill. Yeah. But I got I got to meet people who were really cool. And they were part of projects that I personally, like, was really into and, like, touched by. And it was like. It was it was kind of cool because I was really young, like way younger than everybody else, and sure. like you know I was like seventeen at the twenty one plus show, and like it was cool because I got to meet older people and like they taught me stuff and they would like you know they inspired a lot of my music and stuff like that, but like so many of them just fell off the fucking wagon, and it sucks. It's yeah. like between like drugs and like alcohol and like you know drinking at shows, sure, beers, sure, but when like people develop serious problems with that stuff and then they just like they're gone because they're like out of commission and it's like man it's like i really wish you would have stuck around for a few more years sure you know and it's it's like it's sad and that's what happened yeah like people are going to turn the music because it helps them or it speaks to them or like do you want to be a part of something and that's cool but then like you got like damaged motherfuckers who like use it and like they need it but it's like they still they'll like kind of hurt other people in the meantime or like they won't have their shit like completely balanced and it just ends up ending badly a lot of the time it does it's sad for other people i think because like you know when i was a young person all i wanted to do was put out music i'm still a really young person but i was a way younger person all i wanted to do was make a record and i was just like i just want to make an ep or whatever they call it these days and i just want to like put this on band camp like i should have a band camp yeah like you know i'm like i'm like 17 16 i'm like i should have a band camp yeah and I was always afraid Bandcamp was like a real big deal to me because I used SoundCloud because I didn't think I was very good at music. So I was like, I'm not worthy of Bandcamp. Oh, Bandcamp. Okay. And like now it's at a point where I'm like, I'm not worthy of Spotify. Okay. But like, so we're on Bandcamp. But, you know, I was like, I just want to put this out. So I stayed home from school one day and I was like, you know, I sat in a bedroom and I had this guitar because I like, I liked Alex G and I had no money. Like, no money at all no studio nothing yeah no gear i had this like shitty i don't want to say it's shitty sentimental old ass like little classical nylon guitar okay with, like the top like the bottom three or top three or nylon and it sucks and i had my cell phone and an app and that was like that was it yeah so i was like i'm just gonna stay home from school and i'm gonna try something and so i sat down and i started writing songs and i would write the song write the parts for it, write the vocal line, and I would kind of do the whole song at the same time, like not in parts. And I would record it, and then I would like, I was like, all right, what can I creatively do to not make it sound like I recorded this on my iPhone 4, because I did. Yeah. And so I got really into like the idea of using like household like objects and ambient noises cool. and, you know, effects. That's something that's not typically common too. Like household objects, like banging like... Yeah. Sticks on, like, a, a chair, like, pots and pans and shit, like... Yeah, I used to, like, I was, like, tap on the washer while it was running. Like, oh, there was cool. so much stuff, like, you can water. I don't know, so I would, like, I would do that. I would make, like, drum beats on, like, m- mugs and with, like, pencils, you know? And yeah. I was like, we'll see what happens. And I was like, this kind of sucks. Like, I was like, this is gonna suck, because everybody else is doing these studio albums and, like, my shitty project. So I put it out, and people, for some godforsaken reason that I will never know but always appreciate they like loved it and like this guy was like hey i make tapes i'm gonna make you some tapes like it's we'll do a distro what's what's that release called uh weather weather yeah and it's your name like as the artist or yep right on yeah so it it was tight it was my baby picture was on the front i got all these tapes in the mail and i was like i am truly living the dream at the you know it's because at 17 that is the fucking dream somebody sends a box of tapes to your house and said and like you get like a bunch of plays like, yeah. shit, people are listening. 100%. Like, yeah, that's awesome. It was so tight. So yeah. I just kept doing that for a while. And, you know, now I'm, like, writing different stuff because, like, 
you know, matured sound. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Pianos. Things but still, like, still solo stuff? Yeah, for right now. I, I get in and out of stuff. And my favorite thing to do, actually, is when I play shows, I like to get other people's bands and bandmates to improv with me because, like, I don't care what it sounds like. Okay. As long as it sounds okay. As long as the people know what they're doing. Yeah, so, like, we, uh, Kevin, my boyfriend from Old City Revival, and his band and friends throw this festival, Atlas Fest, every year in Jersey, and I was privileged enough to play this year. And I was, like, doing this solo acoustic set, and I'm like, shit, I'm like, I suck and I don't know my songs. I'm like, I never... I never wrote anything down yeah. or kept any clean recordings. So oh, I have no idea what's going on, but that's, you know, so improv. But I was like, I met up with these people that are in this other band, Armistice and the Body. And I was like, we were all practicing in the same room. And they play like these crazy, like upright bass, like, you know, glockenspiel. Cool. Yeah. So we had this classroom full of instruments at this church that we were practicing in, but they were like classroom instruments. Like there was like a, you know, like the glockenspiel and everything. Yeah. So I was like, like do you guys want to play with me, maybe? And they were like, what? They're like, you play in like an hour, right? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. They were like, well, do you have like sheet music? I'm like, no. no. <laughs> They're like, do you have tabs? I'm like, nope. They're like, I could play songs for you on my iPhone. <laughs> no, seriously. They were like, do you have recordings? I'm like, sure. Let me open my voice memos. They're like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, yeah. And they were like, well, I don't know. I don't really want to mess it up. I'm like, you cannot mess it up any more than I ever have, which is a lot. So, like, just get it together. And then we played, and then, like, my very good friend, Connor, who does cemetery tapes, he does, like, film, like, mostly live and, like, music videos, and we do stuff together now. And, like, he filmed it, and I, like, watched it again. I'm like, this was way cooler. I'm like, this was nice. a great idea. And yeah. so, like, every time I'm at a show that I'm playing, I'm always just kind of like, does anyone want to just, like, bring literally any instrument you want because i don't care it'll be fun it's a know? cool it's a cool mindset to have because you can fall into the rhythm of just playing your set every time the same way like I, i'm lucky i play drums so i can i can change it a little no one will really know but like playing in a band and like singing and guitar like i mean and you know good vocals could still be different and you can still do shit different but the songs are always the songs and it's cool that you like will let people kind of do their thing over it it's a little different every time as long as i'm loudest yeah. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Actually, as long as, long as I'm me. loud. What's your thing? Yeah. My thing is don't take my high harmony. <laughs> if we're playing my song, you're singing it, and you take the third, I'll take the fifth. Yeah. And then we will keep going. That's it. Until I break. Because stack them. I am stack Mariah Carey a little bit. Nice. And that respect. That. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it is fun. It's it's always been fun, and that's what music is. It's fun. And yeah. Art yeah. is fun, and it's cool that I get to do art for my job and, you know, also be a musician because I get to, like, make stuff and draw stuff and take pictures. And So how did you get into, like, managing bands? I didn't really. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I was real broke, and I knew how to do that because, like, just from working with bands over the years. Booking I was, like, shows. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I know how to manage a band because I'm very into, like, as an artist, I know branding. I know, like, design. I mean, I sure. do design and, like... I was like, oh, well, if I apply all these things and do it for a band, you know. But then I was just like, honestly, pretty recently, too. I was doing PR, too, because, like, once you know what, like, how to make an aesthetic, you also know how, like, the whole thing that goes behind an image and image management. Like, you just get good at it. Yeah, and that's what kind of helps people hang on to, like, a band. It's like they, they have yeah. an identity to grab onto it with, which should, yeah. you know, and the identity should be based around the music still, but it's still important to have all that shit, so. Yeah, it is, and, like, I like, that's why I only really now work with, like, them because I I love their music and, like, Old City Revival. I love their music, and I have fun with them, and, like, it's never a pain in my ass or, like, it's never a fight. It's never, a like, a job. Like, I don't fuck it, like, yeah, no, that's good. I love them so much. I just I want to do stuff because like their music inspires me to do stuff, and, and they're like, all cool and like yeah. easy to work with, which is like so important too. Because if you manage a band that doesn't have their shit together, it's like gotta be a fucking headache. Well, I did, and that's why I stopped managing every other band except them because I was <laughs> like, this blows 
dick. Like Kevin would be like, what are you doing at like three in the morning? I'm like, I'm finishing a press kit and I don't want to because this <laughs> band sucks and I hate them. And they're being really mean. And I'm just like, yeah. I was like, this is not artistic at all. This is very corporate and yeah. weird and I and hate it's it. bullshit. And you got to blame the bands for that too because they're like, oh, we have a manager now so she's going to take care of all of it. It's like, dude, that's not how it fucking works. No, like, I don't mind that part. The bossing people around part is great. <laughs> it's, it's the like... I don't know. I got to really like your music to want to do it. Cause sure. I'm not, I'm never going to be a scumbag. Like I'm never going to be a, like, I'm never going to be like, Oh, pay me 600 bucks and I'll get you on warp tour. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fuck that. I don't know if I can get you on warp. Tour. People do that. Though. Warp tour is not even around anymore. So God forbid I made that promise like four months ago. Yeah, no. <laughs> the fuck. So like, I just, I was like, I'm done with it. So now honestly, um, I am literally moving out of my apartment into a new apartment with an extra bedroom so that I can have like a studio space for like art and design and photography and then Kevin can use it for music and we like we do stuff together too and like I do a little of everything and I've decided that I just don't like the like certain parts of it so we're like moving to do that yeah and then I'm just like I'm gonna start doing that like awesome. full time it's cool to have your own space to do shit like that too you know like yeah I, I was so interconnected with everybody in the scene like all over the fucking world that i was just like it will be really easy for me to do this and i thought that i was doing bands a favor and i thought that it was like gonna be a really fun thing but then i was like what it did honestly was it it kind of took away my identity as an artist okay which was like, you put so much of yourself into other people yeah and i sound like a real fucking pretentious dick but it it is true no though. dude yeah I, I so i do like some label distro shit and like um, screen pink shirts like that's that's what the cool thing about this attic because I don't even live up here I have the smallest room in this house but the the rule is in the house whoever has the smallest room gets the attic so you know I do the podcast up here there's a ton of merch in the other room but yeah. it's like you gotta do your own shit to be fulfilled too you know like you absolutely you, you have, have to. to if you don't work on it it's like you feel like you're just only working for other people and it's like you know we gotta make shit you know I started I stopped writing music like I literally there was a point where I had to like I was like I, I don't even know if I can play the 10 instruments that i used to be able to play yeah and like i got really into these things that i loved and like i try i think i tried everything and then i narrowed it down to what's gonna fulfill me what's gonna help others what's going to you know fulfill my passion so, finding the right balance of everything yeah yeah I, just, I am not just you know an artist with pen and paper and stuff like that. But like when I say like artist, I mean like I'm creative about everything. Yeah. And I live creatively. Hell yeah. That's the right, the right mindset to have. You know, I think so. It's easy to fall into the, the lines of like, Oh, we're a band. So we need these things and we have to do these certain, we have to hit all these marks and check off all of our boxes. And just to have like, not that perspective is refreshing when you do shit. It blew telling bands when bands would ask me, what's our next move? Like, what do we, what should we do now? Or like, you know, should we tour here? What's the, yeah, I have all of those answers. And the reason that I ever got into it was because I had all these answers to these questions and I was like, well, somebody needs to answer these questions, Yeah. you know, and not be a scumbag about it and not be a fucking pay to play, not scam, you know, just yeah. answer these fucking questions for a reasonable, you know, if I'm working for you for like 40 hours a week because you're constantly calling me about your tour, yes, compensate me slightly. Sure. But like it, it was one of those things where I was like, I'm taking money to answer these questions and the problem is I don't care. I'm like, I don't really care if you play in Cleveland. Like it, it hit me <laughs> one day. I'm like, nothing's going to happen in my life or yours probably if you play in Cleveland. So I've been spending 10 hours booking you a show in Cleveland, like for every other band besides them that I actually like doing that stuff for, for and enjoy. Old, old City Revival. Yeah, I love doing shit for them. Yeah. But every other band, I was like, Jesus, like I, I can't. I'm like, I realize now that I'm gonna rip my fucking hair out if I have to talk to one more person about their tour. <laughs> like I, I just don't care, and I'm like, and they don't care either. So like, they're paying me to care, and yeah. I can't even care. Yeah. For money, so I'm just like, no. Like, no, somebody else should do that, honestly, because if you're at the point where you, you know, want a manager, normally I'd say, you know, sure, but honestly, find somebody who, like, doesn't, find somebody whose life isn't going to be ruined by it. Like, find sure. somebody who's not going to be jaded by the fact that they're kind of like, if I spent 40 hours on a song or on a, you know, a series of paintings or on photo shoots, 
I felt I always felt much better than when I spent it on getting a tour date. Shooting emails back and forth with Yeah, and it's it's so depressing. Like the world I was a journalist, I worked for a newspaper and like a couple other places and like some online like music publications. Yeah. And it was just depressing being on the other side of it because everybody was like, If you do journalism, you should do PR. Well, I also don't do journalism anymore because like it was just I would get these promo emails and I was like the correspondence, the fact that I know in my head how to answer an email and that every time we email each other, it's like, you know, sincerely and like all of these like, like it's not sincere. It's, it's gross. Yeah, it's <laughs> don't stupid. say sincerely. Like I don't, you're not being sincere. You made this fucking press kit and sent it out to 6,000 other journalists. Yeah. And then I got to do the same thing on Friday and we can't even bond over it because you're through a computer. Yeah. It sucks. It's, it's a like fucking headache, dude. I was, uh, I was talking to uh, some booking agents because I was trying to book, uh, Iron Reagan and I was like a, they're like a thrash punk band. Like, and I, I get the importance of having a booking agent so you can get paid and shit, especially when you're older. But like, uh, actually wasn't even working with that guy. I was working with, I was trying to book the band big wig, which like, they're like a skate punk band from New Jersey who were bigger like 15 years ago. But, like, he sends me this Google, this Excel spreadsheet to fill out. Like, all right, like, what percentage cut of, like, after we break even? And it was just, like, all these words, net gross. And, like, those aren't even hard words that I just said. But there's just so much jargon in it. And I had to hit on my friend who is a booking agent. And he was like, honestly, man, like, I've booked them. And, um, you know, you don't really need to do that a lot of time. This guy's kind of just giving you a hard time. And it just it made me realize that I don't want to try to book, like, big shows ever really like i two years ago or a year ago i was like i'm gonna book one show a month and it was going well and i made it about nine months and then like i was starting a new job and i was like oh i can't do this anymore it's fucking exhausting there's so many things to worry about when you're like booking a show besides turnout and like i'm old now so it's like i don't know who to invite to a show on facebook all i can do is have the bands promote it from their personal pages and just hopefully on the good merit of those bands being good and people caring, like people will come. But it's like I'm almost I'm I'm 27. I keep thinking I'm 28. I'm 27, but like, you know, that it's a I live in a college town. So what am I gonna do? Start fucking adding 19 year olds on Facebook? Like I'd feel like a oh, weirdo. Oh, they do, they do, and uh, it's great because it never works because everybody's like, who the fuck is this old man? <laughs> I'm like, I'm 19 and in college, and like 30 year old man invited you to show in a basement. I'm hey, like, there's a house party. Why don't you come check it out? Yeah, I'm like, dude, am I like, what? No. <laughs> there will be fidget spinners just like trying to be cool. <laughs> like, yeah, like man, I have penny boards, and also you like something called. Pabst, <laughs> and and I have that as well. So please come to. I don't even think people drink PBR anymore. I, people are very different. Yeah, the scene, changing. the scene has changed. Like Yo, Philly P- used to be like a PBR filled, forty filled hellhole. That's what it was, was awesome. Yeah, and Tom sitting here saying it still is. It's not. <laughs> it's actually disgracefully highbrow. I I hate it. Sure. We've just. We have gentrified punk. We were supposed Dude, to be against that. I agree. Yeah. Gentrified the genre. Gentrified. And you know what? Like, I don't know. There's a place There's a place between, like, totally wiping out cool, shitty punk stuff and, like, introducing higher levels of, like, I don't know, like, stuff like set design. Like, I love that shit because I'm a designer and I'm a visual person and I, I fucking love designing sets and, like... You can still be punk and have cool shit going on, you know? Yeah, like, because if you love art and you also are, like, not, you know... Even if it's not your thing, like, you know, it, I kind of grew out of my whole, like, yeah, I want to go to a basement every single night and watch the same six, like, you know, bands and mosh every single... But, like, I, you know, I grew into, like, an appreciation of art and appreciation of the culture. And, like, you know, just because I'm on a different side of it now and just because I see things differently and, like, operate differently, it doesn't mean that, like, you know, we all have to be pretentious and weird. And it's, like, yeah, that's what's disconnecting the scene, honestly, is, like, all of the, like, all of the, like, punk kids that are really to the core punk and then the hardcore kids and then the... It's, it's all like aesthetic. The, it's only their way, you know? It's a game. So what, what do you mean by gentrification of, of the scene? Like, how would you... Like, when I used to go to shows, everybody was... And, not, and like, this is totally not to shame anyone, because, like, whatever. Like, music is for everyone. Let me just sure. put it out there. Yeah. It is for everybody who wants a part of it, unless they are a heinous, horrible monster. Other than terrible people, it's for everyone. <laughs> so... When I say gentrifying the scene, I mean, like, I used to go to shows and it was like, everybody was like 
broke as fuck and we all got along and it, and when like when people fought it was like you know it wasn't like oh my god ban them both like call scene 911 it was like sit down and talk about it and then like get back and get yeah, back in there everyone's there for the greater good of like building yeah. something and yeah I'm, not, I'm totally not against like show safety that's one thing but i'm talking like you know people are so clicky now and everything it's like oh my god like these people are feuding and it's a mess it was a mess and then it just stopped and died because everybody decided that they hated it and so now every single singer songwriter sounds the same every single there's there are only a few bands that don't sound the same and it's divided yeah like the rules of people have kind of made it like that like all right so one of the bands i play in the the singer is like He's not even a jock, but I call him a fucking jock. But, like, he likes sports. That's really the excitement. of it. He likes sports, and he'll wear a basketball jersey to a show sometimes. And, like, I see him get vibed. Yeah, dude, you might be able to relate. Like, I see him get vibed, like, like shitty stares from, like, nerdy DIY punkers. And it's like, man, like, if this was 10 years earlier, like, he'd be pushing you up against the locker. And now, like, you're just giving him mean stares and being passive-aggressive with him because he likes a sport and you haven't even, like, had a conversation with him. And it's just, it's fucking disgusting, dude. It's so counterintuitive. Like, why should that be? be- because he, he dresses a certain way, we're going to assume he's about a bro lifestyle, which, like, you're going to pigeonhole him to be a bro, and you're going to just assume a bunch of things about him, and it's just, like, That's you know. just what it is. It's yeah. the assumptions. It's crazy that people... That's why I always like Jersey. Like, when I met Kevin and started going to, like, Jersey shows, I literally was, like, I would tell him all the time, like, I'm shocked. I'm like, this is so much better. I'm like, I spent years of my life, like, bands that I'm seeing in South Jersey right now and really liking and being friends with, I remember getting Facebook messages from them when I was, like, at the height of my booking in Philly where I was booking shows all the fucking time at these venues. Yeah. And, like, ignoring them and being like, no, like, what do you mean? Like, we don't book people. Like, no, get me, get me, like, Kississippi on the line immediately or, like, I need, like, you know, I don't even know of any more bands that exist anymore that are still from that era because they all broke up. But I'd, I'd be like, you know, no. And then, like, I went to these shows and I was like, holy shit. I'm like, their shows are way cooler way more fun there's a lot more people and everyone's watching and nobody is so drunk that they're not watching usually yeah and it's awesome and like i just i totally got like smacked in the face i was like oh my god i was like i've been spending my time doing marketing pr brand and band management and you know all this shit in philly and i got so like up on my high horse because all my friends were yeah. It's like, you know, come join us at the fucking round table of jaded jerk-offs. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, you sit there for a while and stroke each other's egos, and then you're like, oh, my God. We are totally not, like... Yeah. We are actually way worse than everyone else. It's, and that's it's why part of being in the city, though, too, because then, like, the city gets yeah. a good name. You're like, oh, I'm in Philadelphia. I'm not in South Jersey, you know? Like, people, like, yeah. think that it's better because it's in a certain area, and it's not. There's people doing cool shit all over the fucking country and a lot of times it doesn't get the attention it deserves it never does and that's why i like stuff like i I like like collectives and i like like you know i like doing stuff like this and like touring with them like you know as a photographer sure i love that because like if you would have told me like you know hey there's this south jersey band and you're gonna love them and you're going to get to go on tour with them and you're going to get to take pictures of them all the time and then you're going to be a career photographer i would have like spat my espresso out because sure because you were like, you were living the philly life i would wear like tights and heels every day and sit in starbucks and fucking like you know on my excel spreadsheet yeah and and like be like oh yes tour booking and if you would have told me that i could like just be a creative person and not have like stipulations on it like that and yeah. that i didn't have to like, you know, I think a lot of people, like, get an ego and they can't get rid of it. And yeah. fortunately, it awoken me. It sounds like you made such. the right choice. <laughs> like, I, I think so. I feel like it's it's inevitable that you'll burn out on trying to do that shit. Unless you already have an in at a company or, like, I don't I don't know how people do it. Like, I, I can barely stomach booking a show every two months now. I just get anxious. <laughs> like, I stopped for that very reason. I, like, could not. I didn't want to go to my own shows. So I would book them as a favor and then I'd like call somebody who was like more into it and I'd be like, Can you run this show? Like just keep like ten bucks and Yeah. 
like have fun i don't want to go yeah i didn't even want to go to my own shows and like i it shouldn't be, it should never get to that you know it's it's no. tough yeah hell yeah well it's cool you're you're still doing shit so what do you i mean you, you focus on everything your photography you, you're a working photographer that's literally my job. I call it fun employed because I'm not unemployed. My job's just fun <laughs> and erratic. Are you like out of a studio or freelance? Oh, uh, well, we're get, well, the studio thing. So I, I share space in a studio right now. So okay. like, I have like access based on mutual benefits to this really nice photography studio, 2424 in Fishtown. Cool. So I get to shoot there. And then um, we're moving to the new apartment abruptly because i need another room so i can have a home studio as well and i do freelance stuff it's mostly freelance but you know yeah i mean you can make ends meet doing that that's great yeah it's super fun too i get to meet people all the time and make friends and the benefit of you putting your time in and doing a lot of shit for the music scene like that's gonna come around in your favor now because you know a lot of people you can take a lot of pictures for anyone who needs them yeah Yeah, like people hit me up they're like you booked this show a couple years ago and now i see you're doing photos and i love them so can you like and i'm like yes yeah Thank God, it like something came out of it because it, it sucked. It's, it's a very thankless job, like running shoes a lot of the like locally. Yes. You know, I joke around with my friends that like, you ever see like the death of a salesman or like the the playwright, like this guy, the salesman never catches the break. Like they should adapt it and make the death of a show promoter. Oh my God, you're <laughs> it, right. It, it just nothing ever goes right. And just like putting so much time in for no reason, and you know, it's 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 hard to do. Someone has to keep doing it. I mean, in Jersey, there's like. South Jersey seems like it has a lot of venues. Over here, it's only basements. There's the Court Tavern in New Brunswick, um, which is like on and off on whether or not the town hates it or not based on the manage- the owner, not even the manager, but it should be back on the up, hopefully. But it's 21 plus two, and it's a college town, so you got to find a way to get young kids into it, and there's no all-ages venue around here that has a public address, so it's hard. That is literally terrible. Yeah, and you need like young blood kids to fucking grab the torch and like keep doing it, you know? So Yeah, and that's I felt bad. When I first stopped doing stuff, I felt real bad because I was like, you know, I had the mentality that someone had to do it. But I was just like, you know what, though? Honestly, like 20 now, it's some somebody besides me has to do it because I've been doing it since I was 16. Someone will do it. Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. always will. They always find a way. It definitely like cycles itself out. And like, you know, if somebody came to me and was like, can you help me do this project? Yeah. Sure. Can you teach me something? Can you tell me what you did? Yeah, Sure. Like, so young kids, like, research your shit because there are people out there that are still alive and willing to, like, help you do stuff. But, like, I don't know. It's it's the point in my life where I'm really, like, focusing on the people that I love, the people that I want to work with, and the things I love. Yeah. You know? Cool. I mean, keep doing it. Check out Old City Revival. Jordy Lyric, is that what it's online as? Yeah. Okay. That's me and the best band in the world from South Jersey. Yeah. And maybe if I start another band, check that out. What was like, the old Philly band you played in? <laughs> well, well, I'm curious if we'll know it. No one wants to say it? No one wants to talk about it. Oh, you can Play say Girl, it off mic, too. Playgirl Mansion. Oh, nice. Bandcamp.com. Oh, I'm, I'm pulling that up right after this. Oh. Nice. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's real. Uh, yeah. No, I guess it was okay. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, it had its purpose it at cool. the time. It was fun. Yes. It, Cool. It was, it was something. Yeah. How about that? That's fair. Cool. Well, yeah. Thanks for doing this. Thanks. Uh, Anything else you want to add? I thought I was gonna say something really prolific. That's it. Yeah. End it with a nice fortune cookie. Some, yeah. Whatever you got. All right. Um. Do the things that fulfill you, not the things that other people want you to do to fulfill them. Nice. Does that work? That's good. Did I sound smart? Yeah, no, that's smart. Awesome. Okay, thanks.